not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bug Podcast, not outclassed. Once on mass, get it munched everyone up to the end of the game. The Bug Podcast. My name is Mark Isles, and I am the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that's been walking a disciplinary tightrope for nearly five years, and we haven't missed a game yet. And on episode 212, a card for George Thomason, and it wasn't a Valentine's. The case against Ian Everts, and more rough refs. Joel takes control. Bolton's backup keeper gets a surprise top billing. And who's the shortest player ever to turn out for Bolton Wanderers? Find out that and a lot, lot more on the podcast that's silkier than a Bob Varson back heel. Campo, Davis, Carter's cross in, looks a decent one, that's a terrific header and Ricardo Vazte has put Bolton Wanderers in front in the 14th minute, it was a wonderful cross and the header wasn't bad either. Campo with the ball in, there's a stupid header against the post, Borghetti and Davis has side-footed it into the net. A mess of a goal from Charlton's point of view, but Kevin Davis has stuck it in for his seventh of the season. It's a lovely flick. Borghetti, I don't think, realised he was onside, but he does now and scores! And Bolton have a third goal. A glance across towards the lines, but I think in a little bit of anxiety, it did not go up the flag, and Borghetti has made it three. It's a rout now at the Reebok. Trying to punch, collided with somebody there. The whistle has gone. It's Bothroyd who's gone down. I wonder what he's given because Jaskalainen. I don't know if he's given a penalty or not, John, because Jaskalainen comes and just punches Bothroyd in the head. Darren Bent has the chance to get his 22nd goal and 18th Premiership goal of the season. Pretty much will be Charlton's first. Shot on goal. Booze around the rebound. Darren Bent scores. Lovely penalty. It's possibly brought Charlton back into the game with 14 minutes left. It's 3-1 now. One and a half minutes to go at the Reebok Stadium. Bolton 3-1 up. They're going to get another. It would repeat the score between these two sides here last season. JJ Okocha, who got... Two goals in that 4-1 win, throws in, Davis is there, and a score, and it is 4-1 to Bolton Wanderers. Kevin Davis has got his second of the game, the first one came from some calamitous defending, and so too did the second. 
Right, before we start, just a little reminder that we've got a special February offer on subscription to the Bolton News. It's £5 for five months, and that will take you all the way to the Championship. Fingers crossed with everything that touch wood. Uh, for a fiver, you get access to all our Bolton Wanderers interviews, all our articles, features, match reports, all the video, all the podcasts, everything we've ever done. Unlimited news and analysis from elsewhere in the Bolton news as well, because apparently other things happen in the town other than football. Who knew? Um, you also get an Adeline website and an app with no pesky pop-ups whatsoever. And most importantly, you are helping the town's newspaper doing a vital job. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe by February 20th to claim five months of subscription for just a fiver. Okay, let's introduce my podcast co-host and a man who insisted this week that his pancakes were made in the exact same shape as a pig. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how, how do they taste, mate? How do they taste? Uh, flipping good. Hey. Uh, have you ever tried to flip a pig? I don't want to go there. <laughs> don't want to go there. Yes, uh, we all went to Fifth half back in the day. Um, anyway, <laughs> so did, yeah. let's move on to football very quickly before I get myself cancelled. It's um, yeah, it's been a it's been a scrappy week at Bolton Wanderers. Two games. We're, we're going to do things slightly differently today because we've obviously the. The stuff that went on at Northampton, one-one draw, two red cards—they're kind of big things. So we're gonna we're gonna take them out as separate issues in a minute. Um, but they fought back. Mendes Gomez scored against Northampton, and then of course Tuesday night, two-one uh, win against Wickham. Neither game have been have they not been classics? But we were talking off air there, Henry. Finding a way to get points is is almost you know as important. It is, yeah. Um, I would say the second half against Northampton was more of what we, we yeah. expect from Bolton, but at the same time, they were chasing the game a bit. Um, and I don't think anyone would argue that the, the first half performance against Northampton, they've, they've lost the Reds, in my opinion. The mm. early goal went in and then they lost the Reds. Um, and the Wickham game was, again, you know, if, if Wickham would have come back and drawn that. I mean, maybe not with two 98-minute uh, goals, but if they would have scored earlier on and drawn it, would you have argued it was a unfair result? Probably not. So that's where Bolton are. But at the end of the day, they've matched Derby's results. Derby have gone and won at Exeter 3-0, which I've not watched that, but I presume it was a great performance to do that. Mm. Um, so they're playing well. Um Popular picking up them. points as well, aren't they? I mean, it's been a weird yeah. week. Peterborough have dropped dropped off a bit. There's, they've had a, a couple of bad results, but it's been a good week for for Pompey and Derby. Yeah, and and this is it for Bolton is that we just need to match their results because we've got the games in hand. Like at the moment, we've got is it two games in hand on Derby? Yeah, two on two on Derby. Yeah. Yeah. So if we match their results when they're playing, we just need to. Um, we just need to win one game in hand. Mm. Like we've technically had one of the games in hand on Peterborough because their match were called off and we've won that. So we're doing what we need to do. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for that because no team, even the three teams that hit 90 odd points last year, there's no team that wins every week mm. or, or plays perfect every week. So I think Bolton are just going through a bit of a, 
a, a you know a, a not as what, what we expect period, and mm. they're still picking up points. So well, that's, that's the, main the end thing. of the world. I was I was talking to uh, to Yondada with Varsen the other day about teams that that don't necessarily play as as well every week, but they find a way of grinding out points. And I use Plymouth, I use Wigan as, as examples, and and he's. He's more confident. He feels more confident about promotion this season because Bolton are managing to to get points in those games. Whereas in the past, maybe they lose, maybe they maybe they uh, they play well and don't and don't get a win. Um, it's it's kind of flipped on its head a little bit. And looking at the top of the table, we've got Pompey up on sixty nine points. They are flying, but Bolton have still got three games in hand on them, and they're seven points ahead. So win those games in hand, yeah. That's that's two points above, obviously. Derby second in, on sixty three, Bolton uh, third on sixty two, and then you have to go back to Barnsley on fifty seven. Bolton has still got a game in hand on them too. So you know, if they were to win that game in hand, I think that's the next one. This this Tuesday night against Cambridge is the big one for me because if you win that game in hand, not only can they go above Derby in that respect, but they also put a massive buffer between themselves and fourth place, and then. It's just about the two for, for the, the time being. Um, I mean, Peterborough fans will probably um, turn their uh, turn their nose up at that because Alan Swan down there is still giving 10 reasons why uh, why uh, Peterborough are better than Pompey, Derby and Bolton. But we'll let him, we'll let him play. We'll let him play, Henry. It's fine. Yeah, uh, well, I know Alan from my work on Dara's podcast and he's... Um... Uh, yeah, he's um, he is optimistic in his uh, in his reporting a lot more than what their fans are because after Tuesday, I think a lot of the fans had given up hope on on automatic promotion. But um, I, I, this is it; it changes all the time. Yeah, can, yeah. Peterborough can win at the weekend against whoever they play. <clears throat> oh, it's Blackpool. Sorry, they play Blackpool mm. at home and then they play them again on Tuesday in the cup. So. I mean, that's a tough game, but they can easily win it. And Bolton could drop points, so could Derby and, P- and Portsmouth, and suddenly Peterborough are back in it. So, you know, it's 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 so easy. It's the twi- I know it's the cliche, the twists and turns and whatever, but, um, you know, you've got to remember as well that if you look at the top six, the top seven, if you include Stevenage, Bolton have still got to play them all. Mm. And, okay, you'd look at, I think Peterborough have played a few of them. So you you possibly look and go, would we rather be in a position where we've... Um, We've already played these teams, but you know I, I know Bolton's record against the teams at the top isn't isn't great, but I still fancy us to to beat all of those teams. I think we've got enough to do that. You know Portsmouth at home near the end of the season, we've we would have played a couple of our games in hand by then. Mm. So suddenly you're looking and going right. That could be a we could be on similar points. Mm. Derby away is coming up and. You don't know what you get with Derby, to be brutally honest. So, yeah, I, know, uh, I know what yeah, Bolton get at Derby, and that's zero. <laughs> yeah, we last, do owe them one. In the last one. 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do owe them one. So maybe we're saving it for a big game yeah, you know, when we play maybe. them. Uh, Peter is last game of the season, so God mm. knows what's going to happen with that. So, you know, and Barnsley as well. So we have, we've got those games to, if we win against the teams above, you know, around us, it, it might get to the point where it doesn't really matter what we do in our games in hand. They're anyway. all six pointers, exactly. When you win a game against a team around you, it, it's it's got a double effect. So obviously, it stops them in the tracks as well. You're talking about Peterborough, by the way, they have got that double header coming up against uh, Blackpool. Those two games come before Bolton play at Blackpool, and I'm still thinking Blackpool, from what I've seen of them, are quite a strong side. I still think they will be involved in the top six somewhere. But actually, I think I would actually 
like to see Peterborough win those two games, get to the final and to, to beat them in the league as well, because that would maybe just knock a little bit of confidence out of Blackpool for when Bolton do go there. Another ground where they don't have a great record and, and it will be difficult just because of the, the occasion that it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with them. And anyway, their record against the top clubs, people bring it up and, and last season completely warranted. This season has been as good as anybody else. It's not been bad at all, I think. If I'm not mistaken, Pompey have taken a couple more points against the top eight than Bolton have. I'll have a look into that, but we'll uh, we'll discuss that later on because we've got two bigger bigger matters this week, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of forego a couple of the headlines to pull out two of the bigger headlines. So two red cards at Northampton, a, a scrappy game, but. It brought up two pretty big issues, really. So George Thomason being one and Ian Everett being the other. So let's start with Tomo. Is it all right? Is it all right? George Thomason. Uh, he of how many red... How many... Yellow cards only. This is his first red card of the season. Let's be absolutely 100% on that one because I think the way he's been billed in some quarters is some sort of flipping uh, habitual red carder. But he's missed a few games because of suspension. He's had 15 yellow cards in total. And a couple of those have been that weird kind of situation in the, uh, in the not Papa John's, Bristol Street Motors Trophy Motors. Um <laughs> So he's missed a couple of games and there's no question you do not want, you don't want players missing games anyway, but certainly influential players you don't want uh, to to be missing games. He's now going to be missing the next two. He's missed one already, so it was a three-game ban. The club did appeal it. Um, First of all, let's start with the, the nuts and bolts. Did he deserve the red card? Well... In my opinion, no, I thought it was... I mean, the the thing is, and we got this on Tuesday as well, is that it's... You, you know, you can't blame Northampton and Wickham players for going, you know, trying to... I don't want to say con the referee, but going but down a referee. bit easily. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, well, okay, we will say that. But um, you can't blame them because they're playing Bolton Wanderers, a big club who are, who are very, you know... Everyone's saying, oh, best club, best team in the league and all of that. So they've got to try and find an equaliser somewhere. So you can't blame them. I just feel that the referees need to be more savvy against that sort of stuff because it, it's just, yeah, it's just one of, it's, it is what it is, but it's just, it's poor to see. Um, even, you know, I'm watching the game, obviously I'm a Bolton fan, but even as a neutral, you're a bit like, when you see other teams do it in other mm. games, you're like, oh, come on, just play football. Yeah. So, I mean, the reaction from McGowan for me was the was the one that 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 did it because he'd been involved in a little bit of an altercation with Victor Adebayo, and there was a bit of pushing and shoving. There was, you know, the referee managed to sort it out, didn't issue any cards, just pushed him away. Two seconds later, Victor went in and just dangled his leg enough for McGowan to go over, and he somersaulted. He was yeah. before it hit the floor, he was grinning. Because he knew it was stupid of Victor, in all fairness. And the referee came over straight away, yellow card. And anything he did, any physical contact, that player was hitting the floor. So he knew exactly what he was doing. And the same thing yeah. happened with, with Thomason, is that 
there, obviously there was there was more to the challenge, and we can't forget, can't sort of look past that. There was there was in, not intent, but there was um, exuberance, let's say, in the challenge. So he gave the referee an option to do something, but McGowan knew exactly. It was, he wasn't going anywhere, he wasn't doing anything, he wasn't attacking, he wasn't looking to move the ball, he just jumped up in the air, did a somersault, got back up about two seconds later and then and then laughed about it. Now he did leave the field with an injury, I'm pretty sure had nothing to do with George Thomason, but we'll, you know, I'll, I'll stand corrected on that if he suddenly he's, he's stubbed a toe on his way back down. Um, I personally think he was substituted for shame. Um, but he, he, you know, he knew what he was doing and... In a sense, like you say, you can't blame players because if you're going to get your team an advantage by doing that and you're successful at it, then why not? Yeah, and this is why Bolton needs to be more savvy about it is because, you know, you could tell that they went 1-0 up and there the guy who scored goes running over to the Bolton fans, you know, like trying to wind them up. Their manager was just, the first half was just up and down, up and it's down, amazing, and yeah. shout, shouting at the ref. You've got then this McGowan. It's these, you know, these these League One clubs. We, we've been here before. We've seen it before. <clears throat> it's what happens at this level. And you've got to deal with it. And Bolton in the first half on Saturday didn't deal with it well. You said there about Victor de Biagio. It was the first challenge, the, the manager's saying he's basically kicked the player. And then the second challenge goes in. It, the referee's going to book him. Mm. Thomason, it wasn't a sending off in my opinion, but... You know, and I was watching it on the screen on the telly. Mm. He's given him the like you said. It's Thomason needs to be smarter because it's not in a. It's in a. It's in a, a place on the pitch that he's on the, the byline. He's not even doing any. Nothing, he's not yeah. doing nothing. He's not gonna. He's not doing anything. Like McGowan's not gonna shoot from there and lob mm. the goalie. He's not doing anything. So Thomason going in, is they've just they've lost their heads, and that mm. is. If you're going to get promoted, you, you've got to be calm. You can't be doing that because all day, you know, nine times out of ten, Bolton Wanderers beat Northampton, in my opinion, going off how we know we can play. And we'd prove that in the second half. We're down to ten men and we dominated. Mm. But you you need to be smart and you need to trust your own ability and go, right, if these lot are trying to wind us up, it shows that they know we're a better team. So we're just going to play around them. And if they want to start dropping, that's fine. But... I don't know, just keep having a word in the referee's ear. Ever, oh, well, he did have a word in the referee's ear, but we'll talk about we'll it in a moment. We'll move on to that in a minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, there's just ways around it that they need to get, you You know, and, and this is, they've had a few years of this now. We should know better, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, George Thomason is an intelligent lad. Uh, you know, he, he won't need he won't need telling. If he feels that he, he could have acted differently, he will know that, and, and I'm sure... And it's talked about it a little bit this season in, in the, the number of yellow cards that have picked up that there are some times where he has reacted where he needs to be smarter. He can't, you know, obviously you can't show any sort of dissent. There's been a couple like that. Um, you know, there's been a couple of late challenges. He is not averse to the old touchline reducer, which is, I think, what he was going for here. That kind of wind the He did one against Blackpool, which brought the entire stand up to its feet. Now, if he yeah, connects that was, with the, that was good, actually. That was brilliant. That was, that was great. He got a yellow card for it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, yeah. and, and, and in a strange way, you've got 2,000 people there cheering, oh, what a fantastic challenge. It was nothing different to this one, with the exception that the player jumped up in the air and got. 
got him sent off for it. You know, if he didn't catch, he didn't catch enough of the ball potentially. But you know, nobody was jumping up in the air and saying, "Well done." They were saying, "What an idiot!" And and you know, he needs to needs to check himself. So, I think. There is there is that kind of like excitable part of him that I think he probably does need to t- to calm down and, and to do it in the in the right way and to channel it in the right way. Um, Ever came out and said, you know, in no way, shape, or form is he a dirty player, and I completely agree with that because he is too clever for that to be a dirty player. Um, he certainly puts his foot in. Now that's the other thing, of course, because we have had this conversation ad infinitum on this podcast about have Bolton got a midfielder who can break up play, who can be physical, who can, you know, and and MJ Williams was always the guy that was pointed to as that was the guy that could do that. Now, George Thomason has stepped into that breach this season and he's also added all the the attacking traits that he's got. He's scored a couple of goals. He's, he's, He's passing the ball well as well. You know, is, is he just doing the job that Bolton need him to do? Yeah, this is it. Is that the the I have said before? We do need a player like Thomas, and that's why the bookings don't bother me. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, he's going to miss two or three games a season by doing that, but it doesn't bother me. I think Dempsey's got a bit about him as well. Where the amount of times where players have been um, so opposition players have, have tried to break, and Dempsey's just. He's not even discreet. He just hacks them down, which is... And even there's that many times Dempsey's done it and the crowd go... It's when the crowd go, oof. Yeah. Like, it's not enough for a red, but... Demp- so Dempsey has that about him. So I don't... I, yeah, I don't have a problem with that because we need that. However, the problem I had with Thomason on Saturday is it is times in the game to do it. Like, against Blackpool, it was in the 85th minute... He, yeah. he knows he's not going to get sent off. He's just leaving one on the, the guy knowing that we've got penalties coming up or it's to, well, whatever the reason was. That's fine because he's not going to get sent off for that. I just think with a referee being like he was, especially with Adebayejo a few minutes before and a few other instances, he... Read the room. Read the room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, There's, yeah. It, it needed calm heads at that point and I think that's the, the issue I've got. If we'd have got into the second half, Bolton would have had more of the play, maybe got the equaliser, and then he's 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 done that in a sort of a quieter part of a the game. Then I'm sure it would have been a different. But I think uh, yeah, doing it then he the referee. I don't know. It's he wanted to. I don't know what his agenda was for the game. I don't know. You know, he but he it it felt like he wanted to he wanted to book players. He wanted to send players off he wanted to make his mark on a game and he allowed him to do that well it's funny you should mention the referee because the other big talking point the second big story of the week has also been red card related um, and this time it was the manager Ian Everett now before we give our thoughts we have had quite a few emails in from the listeners so let's read out a couple of them Phil take it away is that Philip Moresh Yes, we had a, a bit of a deluge of letters. Now, a lot of people um, are saying roughly the same sort of thing, so I'm trying to trying to balance it out and give a couple of different opinions here, so I'll read a couple of them out. Um, this one is from Paul. 
Um, hello, Mark and Henry. Hope all is well. Last weekend, yet again, Ian Everett got himself into hot water with the match officials. I think we can all agree this is something he has to address immediately as his reputation now goes before him. Brian Clough was absolutely spot on when it came to referees. He would not tolerate one of his players challenging a match official. You would never see a Forest player challenging the ref as a result. Also, we should not forget the wider implications of our manager being sent off for arguing with the referee. The impact of his actions set the wrong example for grassroots footballers. The game is struggling for referees as it is. If the manager of Bolton Wanderers does it, does that mean all referees can also be abused regardless of the level of football? Obviously it doesn't, but I'm sure you can understand my point. Besides which, how will arguing with the match officials change a decision? Could you imagine ref saying at halftime on Saturday, yes, you're right, Ian, it wasn't descending off. George can go back on in the second half. It will never happen. The decision has been made. Nothing can be done other than appeal the decision via the agreed process after the game has ended. The club may already fine Ian for getting into trouble with referees. If they do not, they should. Ideally, the money raised should be used to educate young players to respect match officials. Also, the club should be transparent and say that whilst they understand the reasons Ian had a go with referees, they do not condone it. What are your thoughts? Right, so I'll take a couple of those points out and we'll just read the second one. So, first of all... Um, I mean, citing Brian Clough and, and Nottingham Forest players. In the, I mean, I, I I only know probably as much as everybody else that watches YouTube and such like, but Brian Clough was not above having an opinion. Um, and, mm. and whilst the kind of the apocryphal stuff does exist, that he, he doesn't like his players having to go at referees, I, I would be absolutely gobsmacked if he didn't give an earful to linesmen and referees back in the day. I'd be absolutely gobsmacked, but I'll, I'll stand corrected on that one. Um so, does first of all, does Ian Everett's opinion on referees that does come out quite a bit in, in after-match press conferences, does that put him at a disadvantage, do you think? I don't. I think it's... I, I can understand uh, their point there about, um, you know, being respectful to referees and whatever, but it's... it's I know two wrongs don't make a right, but... When it, you know, I look at Bolton sometimes, and I don't think Bolton players, for example, uh, get on to Ian Everett in a minute, but Bolton players aren't always in the referee's ear. They're not surrounding the referee. I think we've had some poor decisions against us, and the the players, it, it annoys me sometimes because I think the players just seem to let it go a bit. And I don't know whether that has come from Ian Everett, where he said, You don't, you know, play the game, don't surround the referee, I'll deal with that myself. Because other other teams do it, and uh, and you then wonder, well, do other team? You know, you do, again with the manager on Saturday, he's jumping up and down and shouting at the ref and whatever. If if sometimes I think if you're respectful, you you probably don't get as much of a decisions because you've got another person or another team who are in the referee's ear all the time. So it's two do two wrongs make a right? Do Bolton need to be like that because everyone else is? Can you afford to be a respectful team? if the referee is going to get influenced by the, the opposition. Um, so, but I, I mean, the point I'll make on the, I think, yeah, grassroots as well is, is there is an issue there with how, how people are dealing with referees at grassroots level. Um, but I would say at Bolton's level, there's, there's more pressure on it. It's like, is there more pressure at radio one or a hospital radio station? Mm. You know, like if the, if, there's more pressure on Ian Everett than there is someone playing on, you know, on a, a field in Radcliffe uh, on a Sunday Sunday morning. So 
I can understand why he's like that, but does it then influence those players who are playing on a field in Radcliffe on Sunday mornings? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit sketchy on this whole uh, influence influence thing. I mean, yeah, we have we have it with a lot of different media, don't we? Um, cartoons, films, um, TV programs. Do they all have a, a, just a knock on effect that people parrot fashion? I'm not too sure. It's a very complicated subject. Uh, but I will say that yeah, John Brady at the weekend, Northampton manager, his. Um, at one stage, his uh, temper boiled over, had a massive rant at the referee. The referee walked over, wagged his finger a little bit at John Brady and then sent him back. No yellow card, no anything to him. Um, at one stage, one of his players was struggling and got some blood on his shirt and, and got struggled. And he actually ended up like on the touchline in his pants waiting for some shorts. He had like a kid's number 50 shirt on at one stage. Um, it was uh, the guy that scored down... Was it... Uh, Bowie, Bowie, um, or Bowie, yeah. who scored the goal, um, and he was—he was absolutely the, the language I couldn't possibly even allude to, and, and that was at his own staff. Um, and again, nothing was said, and because obviously he didn't get a yellow card and didn't get a warning, nobody is discussing it in the public arena. It does happen. You look at people like Steve Evans, for example. Watch him, and 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 tell me what what sort of example he sets, and he's absolutely all incessant all the time in the referee's ear, in the in the fourth official's ear, in the linesman's ear, you know, Neil Warnock. Um, you know, if you have you have referees, so you have you have managers who do that a lot. Um and you know I, I'm afraid it's just it's just they're just trying to gain an advantage. That's what it is. They feel that by you know putting pressure on officials that they will get a f- get something down the line. It's not. That they, I don't think they're trying to have decisions reversed retrospectively. I think they feel that by letting the referee or the linesman know that they are on top of what they're doing, that they will potentially put some pressure on them, changing or, or giving a a fifty fifty decision, fifty one forty nine down the line. So. Yeah, I mean that's what it boils down to, doesn't it? It's, it's psychology, and and you know it's the same as when Ian Everett swapped the bloody dugouts round and, and said he was going to get nearer to the linesman. Of course, that's the psychology of it. He's just trying to uh, to influence what's happening. Um, and I'm going to move on to the second email because it's a slightly different uh, tack. Um, this one is from Tony. Um, he said, uh, Dear Mark and Heaven, let me start by saying I've been watching the Wanderers for 49 of my 55 years on the planet, save for a time when my family moved to Germany and my ma- uh, nan used to send copies of the Bolton Evening News back to us on a weekly basis to keep us up with events. Nowadays, I could have just listened to the buff. Um, I don't think in all that time uh, the quality of refereeing has ever been as inconsistent. There are reasons for this, of course, and some is down to funding. Some of it is down to lower numbers for referees coming through. And some is down to the rule makers who take away one of the key components that officials should have in their arsenal, which is common sense. When George Thomason steamed into that tackle on Saturday, a blind man could have seen that he didn't go to hurt the man, and it has been suggested that he hasn't even made contact. Why not punish him with a yellow and a warning to calm down? No, instead, all the amateur officials jump onto social media and spout nonsense, some climbing onto their high horse and saying he's suddenly a wrong gun, it makes my blood boil. Then we come to the manager. 
I'm not Ian Everett's biggest fan. He does infuriate me sometimes with the things he says, and I'm one of the old fogies that you talk about who would rather see us playing quicker-paced football with width and excitement. I make no apologies for that. But he is certainly entitled within the confines of the tunnel and the dressing room to ask why a decision has been made. And if the referee has given him a red card for a foul, uh, for foul and abusive language, denied by the manager, I must say, what evidence exists to say that he did? Is this one word against another... And I don't like the sound if it is. Uh, referees play a vital part in the game and should be held accountable. They should also be able to give their view, just as a manager or a player would do after a final whistle. Instead, we're wrapped up in rules and regulations that suit nobody and only serve the purpose of keeping the FA's pen pushers happy. Kind regards. So, that opens up another avenue for me, which is... Ian Everett has been charged by the FA. He's got until February the 16th to put his case forward. Um, he's, he's accused of using foul and abusive language, having gone to the referee um, as at half-time as they were going back down the tunnel. I think he's gone to ask about the decision on Thomason. He, the man, this is Ian Everett, swears down that he did not use um, any abusive language. The referee has the opposite view and has put that in his report. Um, so the problem being is, of course, that down in the bowels of a tunnel, who's to say who did what? I mean, uh, are we talking about bringing up linesmen potentially as, as witnesses here? Because if Ian Everett's gone on his own, then it's going to be, you know, two match officials, well, three if you count the fourth, four, four, four referees against one Bolton Wanderers manager and he doesn't really stand a chance, does he? No, it doesn't. And I, I think the point um, in the email there is about common sense is, yeah, that, you you know, you, you look back to previous eras of football and I think you, you can't keep on going, oh, back in the 80s, back in the 90s, or the 60s or wherever it was better. But I do think, and you listen to some of the referees who are on these podcasts now that, that talk about the, the banter they used to have with players, then that... that they should have that, you know. That should it should have common sense. The you know these referees they don't have necessarily favourites, and they're not going to go. Oh, well, I like Thomas, and so I'll let him off, even though I'm sure in, there were some cases of of that. But I just think, yeah, just have a chat with him and just be like, listen, come on, like you know you you having to make you know give me a decision to make there, just you know just a bit of common sense and. I think it was a few years ago where, and I think it might have been Clattenburg, I can't remember, it was some referee who said that they know times have changed because they had, had to have a hearing because I think it was, it was a Bournemouth match and the the, the player was having shouting at him, having a go at him, and he said, oh, it's not my fault you're in the relegation zone or whatever. It's not my fault you you crap. And then uh, he had to have a hearing about it. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that sort of thing. And with Ian Ever, it's... We've been here before. He's, he's he's had situations where he's been sent off, uh, and I don't know whether, to be fair, I don't know whether Everett's height and stature goes against him because if if you he's quite a big guy, mm. if you've got him coming towards you, it can be a bit intimidating more than you know other uh, like a Sean Maloney for example, who's quite small. Mm. So maybe that goes against him, but again, none of us know and. And, you know, there are cases, if Everett's gone to him and, and pointing in his face and shouting and swearing at him and saying he's going to beat him up, then, yes, yeah, send him off. But if he's just come and said, you know, You're wrong. used a few swear words, but, <laughs> yeah, used a few swear words, but then gone like, 
you 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 know that weren't ascending off you or whatever then yeah i don't know it's we we'll never know but i mean i i do think there's we lost the Thomason case i don't think we win in the Everett case mm. just just you know he'll have his ma- one match ban and hopefully it doesn't affect the team well, i mean we we put this to Ian Everett and said that are you gaining a reputation and he he really did bite back on it because he said that he's been working on that this season and he freely admits that there have been issues in the past now this season he has been sent off before but um that was for the misuse of technology so i think even his biggest critic will say that that was a little bit of an anomaly uh he's the first efl referee ever to be uh, sent off for that and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the last ever as well. Um, he has picked up three yellow cards beforehand, and you know that potentially flies a little in the face of, of I'm a changed character. Um, but he says he has worked on that that side of things. Um, Pete Atherton immediately after the game came out and said his piece as well that that when the referee called Ian Everett back out of the dressing room to his room to show him the red card that uh, Ian Everett actually thought he was going to apologise for the for the red card against Thomason. Um, they were they were very surprised. All the backroom were saying that there was no reason for Ian Everett to be sent off. But it really, it, it does just become a he said, she said thing. And, it, and it's, it's so mucky that something like this should have there should be no structure to it 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 really is cloak and dagger and and that's what worries me a little bit is that you know by by not allowing anybody to talk about it it becomes something else if you know what i mean the referees can't say anything why 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 can't the referees come out and, and talk about decisions they've made if the referee comes out on saturday and says listen this is why i said this is why this is my view on George Thomason's. It's definite. Then, you know, you might disagree with it. That's fine, but at least you know where he was coming from. And why? Why in his head he applied the rules in the way he did? But he's not allowed to do that. And it's the same with Ian Everett. If he comes out and says this is why Ian Everett was sent off, he said or he used abusive language to me at this point in time. Then at least it's there. It's in stone. Instead, we get this kind of cloak and dagger uh kind of disciplinary thing which you know i i i don't like the way that it works basically it's um it's it's too open to abuse for my like my liking he's got uh, and the referees you know he's he's got a lot of mates there in the room his fourth official is two linesmen i mean you're not telling me something couldn't get cooked up there yeah it's (laughs) you know it's and, I, I, and, and I'm not being I'm not being horrible, but he was rubbish. That referee, and and, he, and a lot of it, I think it's masking over the fact he had an absolute stinker. Honestly, yeah, that's my opinion. Um, yeah, I it's he was he was poor, and I think it all comes down when the the problem Bolton have is that when they concede early like we did, it opens up the opposition to to go through the dark arts, and mm. then the referee's got to try and deal with that. But he he obviously allowed it to happen, and then as a result, Bolton. It's just this knock-on effect continuously. And yeah, the referee was poor, and he was poor at the end of the game and the start of the game. It is what it is. You're going to have poor refs every now and again. And yeah, this is. I think we come back to Bolton at the very start of 
the podcast saying we ground out a result. Like in the past, Bolton, we would have capitulated, lost two or three nil, or we would have just lost one nil. Uh, but we got a result in the end, and we should have probably won the game. So at least we have that. At least we've turned the corner with that. But I do think when it's when you are and the same against Wickham on Tuesday, obviously not as much to talk about. Nothing really happened in that game. But like Lee, he was on the ground for most of the game, and a couple of others were as well. And to be fair, Bolton didn't get the players didn't get frustrated on Tuesday, and we got the win in the end. So maybe they've learned the lesson a little bit, but you are gonna the the easiest way to stop all of that is score an early goal and take the take the advantage and take the game to the opposition. So I guess we've got to do that every game now until the end of the season. And do you know what though? I would rather have these debates. I would rather sit here saying so and so had a stinker, so and so played badly. And by the way, I I didn't think the referee on Tuesday night was that bad. A lot of people disagree with me, but I thought it was all right. Um, I would rather sit here having, having those debates than having my games decided by VAR every day of the week. Uh, it, it, it's, the part, it's a human element of the game that I don't think needs to disappear. Yes, I think referees can be helped and be made better, uh, both with the rule side of things and with uh, certainly in the EFL, the, the professional side of things, then yes, there's lots of things that can help them in that respect. But uh, no, I don't think, uh, I don't think I'd like to be sat here talking about uh, fingertips being offside and all that sort of stuff. So uh, hopefully, hopefully they get it sorted by the time Bolton get into the Premier League. Okay, let's, there are still some other headlines to talk about. So let's just do an impromptu headline session. Let's go. <laughs> Right, injuries. Uh, Bolton seems to be getting back on track and then we get Charles go off injured. Um, a few players are coming back, so that's good, but is there a latest on Dion? Uh, well, we're talking here now, Thursday morning, we're still waiting for a latest on Dion. Um, fingers crossed that the diagnosis that was given after the game on Tuesday night, which was that he just jarred his knee, um, is, is, is literally that. Um, there was no... There was no major concern after that game, um, and and Dion himself was seemed to be moving quite well as well. Normally, with those knee situations, by the end of the game, after you give it a good hour or so, you know there's swelling or there's there's major issues. So, and you can tell you've done something, um, but it didn't seem to be the case. So fingers crossed, not a bad one, and uh, that he. You know, a couple of days off training potentially. Um, I mean, a lot of people saying that maybe it's a good thing just to give him a little bit of rest and and get him get him fully charged again. But I, I think with knees with knee injuries, I'd rather it just not be any any issue whatsoever. Yeah, I I do think that Dion needs a bit of a rest. I mean, I've I've heard some people um, who are claiming that because it was conveniently around the 60th minute, that uh, maybe we want to give Dion a week off. Didn't want to say they've uh, they've dropped wow. him or you know and he's uh, he's gone down and he'll be back for the the Blackpool game all um, you know all, all fit and refreshed I mean that I'm not saying that that is quite the theory <laughs> it is quite the theory but um, no I, I, I do think with Dion I've got to say as well no one's really talked about this because we won the game the, the linesman on Tuesday Dion scores he's a mile on side you could mm. see it as soon as he I, I was watching it um you know, on a, a stream I had to get because Wanderers TV weren't working for me. 
<laughs> but um, and that's a different that's a different subject uh, which I have approached Wanderers TV about. But um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like the he was onside, he was a mile onside, and they've they've give it offside, and you know, I mean, he's he's he did, you know, it was a bit of a scrappy finish in the end. I don't know whether if he hadn't give offside, whether he would have done. But anyway, that's that's a point that no one's brought up. Mm. Um, but I do think that Dion just needs to be taken out a little bit. Just given a bit of rest, a bit of freshness. I think we discussed it last week. Maybe he needs to come off the bench for a few games and just have the last half an hour. Because I thought Adebayo played very well when he came on the other day. He brought some different. Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. Charles, yeah. Charles can do that. Um, that's what I think anyway. Uh, I think not necessarily it'd be a good thing if he's injured himself because, as you said, it's knee injuries can be difficult especially Charles who's running about for most of the game you don't want that but um but yeah if he if he if he does have say a week off and comes back fresh for the, the Blackpool and Wigan games then it could it could reignite his season yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not averse to that I'm not averse to making changes but I'd just rather him be fit and, and be able to be accessed off the bench if that is the case um Nathan Baxter uh he I mean it's a bit of an undetermined one when we're going to probably talk about Joel Coleman in a minute, but I think we're still talking about weeks before his wrist injury heals up. Ricardo Santos is back in training now, so hopefully he'll be ready for that Blackpool game. I don't think he will play against uh, Cambridge on Tuesday, but I stand corrected if he, he manages to make a miraculous recovery. I don't think he's the sort of one that'll just come on for half an hour as a sub, let's put it that way. And then Randall Williams seems to have come out of nowhere a bit. He was a few weeks away and now all of a sudden it's it's kind of back in training next week so it might not be long before we see him on the bench as well and he would be an interesting one because he can play right side and left side so if he's fit again having him in that squad kind of gives Ian Ever a little bit more of an option um on the bench or or however he chooses to play it uh, because of his versatility as well yeah i think the the fullback uh, a wing back um, situation for Bolton now is, and I think you look at Dacus Cogley the other day, the fact that he's had a, a week off essentially mm. and come in and put in a performance like he did against Wickham. Well. I think, well. yeah, now we've got bodies in those areas. I think you look at Ashworth as well. He had a, a he'd come in, played very well. Um, Dacus Cogley done, you know, as I just said, did the same. Williams could do the same. We've got Ramsey as well. So in that area now, you've got. Four players really, but you know, and better as as well is there. So you got five players who can all switch around and come in fresh, and that's a big part of Bolton's players that are those areas of the pitch. So if you've got players, I know we're pretty much playing Saturday, Tuesday for the next month or two anyway. So if you've got players to rotate in those areas and keep fresh, that could be such a, a big asset to Bolton. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're, I think we're we're learning now that. There's certain areas that are going to get rotated because they have to have people playing at 100%. And it's not necessarily about who's flavour of the month, etc. It's who is literally supercharged. And the more of those players that you know can get rotated and, and to keep those, those positions at top level, the better Bolton play. Um, and every once in a while you'll get the perfect combination and they'll play really well. But I think it's more about just keeping those levels up. Um, and, and definitely those wing-back positions are one of them. Let's have another headline. 
Uh, Mendes Gomez got his first league goal against Northampton. Um, he now wants lift off at Bolton, and I think uh, we, you know, we said it before. It's a similar way to Ashworth, wasn't it? He's he's not really had the rub of the green so far, but hopefully now he can get a few games and really kick on. Ashworth really has impressed me, by the way. I think it, you you would have got pretty long odds from me on saying that he would be my first choice left back at the minute, but he is he is pretty much there. Uh, with Mendes Gomez, I still think there is a big question mark for me as to where does Carlos Mendes Gomez play in this team? Where is he pitched? Because I can see he is a good footballer. I can see that he's got something about him, and the way that he took that goal at Northampton was outstanding. But is he going to play in midfield and, and be the one kind of you know breaking forward and, and, and linking up with the front men? Or is he going to play as a nine and a half and, and kind of sitting behind a front striker? Or you know is he going to find some sort of wider position, which I, I doubt is going to be the case? I mean, it, it seemed to take Bolton going down to 10 men and going quite gung-ho in the end, really, in that second half for him to have a position on the pitch. And it's a little bit of a concern to me as to, to where he's going to get that lift off because is he going to get regular football? Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it is a strange one with Mendes Gomez because he hasn't really started in many, uh, many games for us. And yeah, he came off the bench the other day and helped change the game. And I thought he did very well. He took his goal very well. Mm. Um, so he, he did add something. And then you're thinking, well, will he start against Wickham and he only gets five minutes at the end? I mean, we scored in those five minutes, so you know he, he you know, he's got that again. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if he started on Saturday mm. because I thought, having scored the goal of a game before, to then only get five minutes, I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether Ian Everett said you're going to start on Saturday and I may bring you off the bench on Tuesday. So that wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, it. Uh, He's a, he's a funny one, isn't it? Because we've, he's another player we've bought for money and you expect that these players are going to start and he's just not had it. But he has, he's maybe, for me, he's, he's shown enough. I mean, we've not really seen him from the starting games, only the, you know in the sort of Papa John's, uh, as it was then, mm. at the start of the season and the um, you know the FA Cup games. And, and I think he started in the Carabao Cup uh, against Barrow. But... Um, yeah, it's he needs to show more and and show that he because it's a totally different, isn't it? You, if you start the game, you have a different role to play than if you are coming on halfway mm, through. Very much so, and that's it. And and I just don't know where he starts. And and I'm not saying he can't. I just I'm interested to know where where he sits in this whole jigsaw puzzle. Um, but uh, we shall see. I do. I'm agree with you though. I think he could start Saturday. So let's have another headline. Uh, well, another man who's now pushing to start on Saturday is John Daddy Bodvarsson. He got his first goal on Tuesday, took it very well. Um, and I, I'm glad he scored. I'm really glad he scored because I've, I've, I've been frustrated for Bodvarsson uh, so far this season because when he's come off the bench, I think he he his touch on the ball, I've said this before, he's, he's one of the best in the team. The, he can bring it down. And I think well, sometimes a player might chest it and try and chest into space and end up losing it. But Varson brings it down and then he could have three players around him and he still manages to get through them. So he does offer something different and it's it's just his goals, hasn't it, that he hasn't quite got in the league this year. So I'm glad he got one. No, he's so tidy. He's so tidy. And he, he seems to know what needs to be done when he comes off the bench. 
and maybe that works in his is against him rather um that he has that kind of way of, of of blending in and and just linking things up and and just making things better uh, whereas when he started games yeah you know he, he does occasionally he kind of be be on the outside of things and doesn't doesn't necessarily get the goals that um that, that you'd want and doesn't have the impact that he'd want so yeah maybe that's working against him a bit but I mean and he's been frustrated at that not not getting the starts that he has done previously for Bolton and he's not really had the the, the partner I did wonder at one stage whether or not it was going to be Bodvarsson and Collins and Adabia Joe and Charles and have those two partnerships swap round um I still think that would be interesting to be to be honest to be able to rotate them in the same way as we're talking about the wing backs there, and to just make sure that everybody's hundred percent all the time, and just having Cameron Jerome to throw in there at the end of games, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult because you definitely want to see him do well. He's he's not only a terrific fella; the fans love him, and he's classy. You know, he's he's got that kind of that that championship slash Premier League touch about him, um, which isn't the case and certainly hasn't been the case in the last few weeks that have been quite scrappy um, he's injected a little bit of class in that back heel yeah that's, that was lovely I loved it yeah it was um, and yeah he's um, he just needs to find his place a little bit and again it's it's like I said he's you know it's time's a di- running very out different... for that by the way time's running out for it <laughs> yeah yeah um, but it's very different starting a game to coming on and sometimes Bodvarsson coming on, being able, being that tidy player, has helped us. You think in the Carlisle game, he's he helped make that Dempsey goal, and he he just gives us a bit more of an outlet in a different way. And uh, he was linking up well with in Lundaloo, wasn't he? You know, yeah, earlier on was, in the yeah. season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for Bodvarsson, I'm sure he'd love to start more games, but um, he's not a bad person to bring off the bench. I know he's yeah, he's had a bit of stake the last few few months off certain sections of the crowd and I think that maybe, is purely maybe down one to person goals. who hasn't had stick. Is there anybody in our squad that hasn't had stick from certain sections? And I wonder whether these certain sections are the same people all the time, but nobody I can't think of anybody that hasn't had stick. Uh Collins, but give it time, he'll get some stick <laughs> if he doesn't score. Weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, no, you you're spot on. Everyone's had stick and it's so funny the the way things change. Bad Varsen could score his next three games and suddenly he's a hero again. Just like Santos. Santos was getting stick and now people are crying out for him to be back fit. Mm. We're going to play a lot better when he's he's back again. Baxter at the start of the season got a bit of stick and now people want him back. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it is what it is, isn't it? But uh, Bad Varsen, for me, for, for, for us in League One, he's one of the better, if you look at every club's, bench strikers on the bench he's probably one of the best to bring off a off the bench mm. uh, but obviously he'd much rather be starting um, one, yeah well this uh ian everts saying support our backup goalkeeper joel um i mean we could have said this last year with joel dixon like ah. it seems to be a, a reoccurring theme but uh, we're talking about joel coleman this time um an interesting uh game on tuesday for him um in his first league start at the tough sheet which for a bolton lad he must have been very proud um up to the 97th minute i thought okay he made one dodgy pass in the first half but up to the 97th minute i thought he did all right and then he uh did kung fu kick in the 98th minute so very interesting yeah it's it's, it's maximum jeopardy here isn't it for uh, for joel coleman i mean that game against blackpool 
where he made all those saves, nearly, nearly won the penalty shootout. I mean, if he'd have won that penalty shootout for Bolton, it would have been fantastic. But I think that that performance gave him a nice bit of confidence. It gave Bolton fans a little bit of confidence in him as well. Um, there have been some shaky bits and bobs and Northampton, the pitch was dreadful for, for kicking. Um, there was definitely a, a fair bit that went awry. You, you're right, in that first couple of minutes, there was a bad pass that nearly uh, led to a shooting chance for, for Wickham on Tuesday night as well. Um, but in between that, there have been some good saves. And I don't, you know, I've got infinitely more confidence in Joel Coleman than I did with the first Joel, um, the, the, the uh, Joel Dixon. Um, he's, you know, in no way, shape or form does he look as shaky as that. But there is that kind of little little bit in the back of your mind that thinks, you know, if, if a big Rick were to happen and that you know, that certain quarter of Bolton fans get on top of it, it could be a problem for Bolton because Nathan Baxter is not going to be ready for a bit. They've only got this one goalkeeper and this one senior goalkeeper to fall back on. Um, it's going to be it's going to be problematic. So I, I completely understand Ian Everett coming and saying, listen, you need to get right behind this guy. He's one of, you know, he's a Bolton lad. He's going to be, he's going to be our goalkeeper for the next few games you know, let's let's get right behind him, and they've got to, and everybody's got to, and it's, it's pointless sitting there and criticising because there's no other option. There's not, and I, I don't think he's. I mean, some of the saves he's pulled off have been great saves, and I think yeah. it's 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 funny with Bolton fans because you've got half the crowd that want the goalkeepers to go long, don't want it to pass out, but then um, when Joel Coleman has the ball, it, it, it seems to me like. And I think Joel Coleman is a lot more direct than Nathan Baxter, and he's actually quite a few occasions where he'll he'll sort of catch a cross, and he's he's looking to kick it out and start a an attack more than say Nathan Baxter does. Now, okay, Coleman's kicking would probably go out of play more than what Baxter's does, but I, I can sense when he has the ball, despite making some really good saves the last few games, and the the irony of. Northampton's goal but it did come from a really good save that he pushed onto the post mm. but there seems to be an air of nervousness around the crowd when he's got the ball and I don't know whether that is because he's he is the uh, sub goalie so people are like oh he's, he's not going to be as comfortable on the ball as Baxter or whatever but he's from he's not in the games he's played and he's he's played probably six or seven games now he's not had a, an incident for me I've off memory he's not had an incident where a direct uh mistake has led to a goal mm. so he's actually been and i know the manager said he's and we said it actually he's, he's probably our best sub goalie we've had uh a in time. a while yeah so i don't think he's done much wrong yet there is this element of people are just nervous when he's he's got the ball and uh and I don't know, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is because until he makes that mistake, I don't think it's warranted. So hopefully on Saturday, people can relax a bit more. I think the game on Saturday is going to be different to Wickham. I know Charlton have struggled, but they've got two very good strikers. Ladapo scored the other night, so maybe he's in form now. And Alfie Mays, he, he, you know, is the player that Bolton should have had. By we should have, we should be starting with a. An attacking lineup of Alfie May and Cole Stockton on Saturday. I want the Johnson Clark Harris to throw on there as well. Don't forget that. Yeah, Johnson Clark Harris uh, with Miguel Veloso feeding him. Um, but um, but yeah, it's I, I don't think he's done much wrong. So I, I 
I am quite relaxed about having him in. Um, I mean, I th yeah, you, you want to have Baxter back in. He's our number one. And whatever the situation is there, I don't think... I think Baxter will just randomly turn up one game. Yeah. Like uh, Prattley against Fleetwood that, many years ago. Yeah. But, um, Joel, yeah, Joel, Joel, Joel Coleman is a good League One goalkeeper. Nathan Baxter yeah, totally. is, is a very good championship goalkeeper, in my opinion. So it's yeah. it, just 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 get behind him. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and right, and the last headline uh, this week is about Lost Stock and the training ground there, and there's some exciting plans. Hmm. Don't know what these exciting plans are, by the way, but I mean, <laughs> something needs to happen, I feel. I feel at the minute the, the the direction the club's heading in and, you know, Bolton, hopefully, fingers crossed, will be a championship club next season with ambitions to play in the Premier League at some stage. Now, I, I've got a lot of time for Lostock. They've done a fair amount of mon a fair amount of improvements there compared to what it was when Neil Lennon reluctantly moved there in 2016. It is much, much better much, much better, much more conducive to um, a, a League One club um, than it was at the time where, I mean, it was just a, a, like a bomb, bomb had hit it at the time. The pitches need improving. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It is extremely open to the elements, which doesn't help in, in the winter. The drainage has been improved, but still has problems. There are, there are kind of technical issues in terms of uh, you know um, sewerage and, and road access and also you know lots and lots of things that would be very very boring to the the average listener that do need to improve at lost stock um the problem in that on that side is of course bolton don't own the land the council on the land it is also surrounded by a lot of residents and more so now that they've built all those um all those houses on the main road as well, which has now completely hemmed the, the training ground in, also making the access that bit more complicated as well. So there's lots and lots of things to get, get around, but it is a site that could be redeveloped and, and made fantastic. Um, the bubble, which was paid for by the uh, BWDA um, uh, via the Lottery and Lifeline uh, funding uh, uh, i think it cost four hundred thousand quid um that of course got blown down that's in the middle of a right nightmare with an insurance company and 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 you know they they, they do think that that will get done at some stage but it's just you know um, they're not allowed to touch the side they're not allowed to do anything with it and just waiting for it to be reinflated basically so when they get that sorted that's one problem solved but i think there are a few others that that do need to they've got these big plans they think they will be able to you know if they can push into the top end of the championship implement some of these things and i will also say that lostock as it stands now is better than exton was when yura jorkiev and ivan campo first got changed there at the start of the uh, 2000s um that was just an old social club effectively with some porter cabins and look what happened. So there is the potential there for in 10 years time for that to be an absolute beauty. Uh, well, let's hope so. It's it's with the training ground. It's funny because as fans, it's the one area of the club really that you don't, you don't see. see. Yeah. Mm. So mm. whether it be porter cabins or whether it be a multi-million pound 
Um, I should do know. a I should do a look around the training ground because that, that does that doesn't ever get seen, does it? You don't really nobody would know. I, I, I might might suggest that young young Dan, I'll do a little guided tour potentially. Yeah, exactly. I'll take, I'll take young um, Dan round. Because <laughs> apart from the the inside loss stocks that the club sometimes put out, uh, you don't really see. Yeah, you don't see much of it, or unless you're walking past uh, on the footpath. Mm. But um, yeah, that would be. There you go. I'll just give you some content. No, Marcus will get any with his bloody toys. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on. It's time for a bit of who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Yes, this week it is the turn of O, the letter O. And, uh, well, I was going to say it wasn't easy because nobody actually sent it in until Wednesday night. And then we got uh, a few from Stu. Uh, Stuart sent us um, a couple of uh, shorter ones. So let's have a look what we've got here. Um, Every week, of course, we bring you fascinating facts on the players whose surname begin with our letter of the week. Um, Aaron Ostuma is the smallest player ever to turn out for Bolton Wanderers at five foot three, Henry. Wow. There we go. I mean, I've got to be honest, there is no source on that, but I'm not going to say it's wrong because I don't think surely anybody is smaller than Aussie at all <laughs> in football. I can't um, think of a single footballer that's ever been smaller than him, let alone just a Bolton. Yeah. I. Uh, sorry, there's an old... There's an alarm going off. I think it's one of my. Hopefully, it's one of my neighbours, and I'm not going to get uh, someone coming yeah, into my house, coming into the room. It's the Aaron Ostuma alarm. Uh, yeah, I won't. I won't see him anyway. It'd be like uh, like the borrowers. He's a little um, ninja. Um, go yeah, on. We're um, right, we're no, good. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, you, you know, he played in that season, and a lot was expected of him, wasn't it? But I, mm. I don't think I. He didn't play that much for Bolton. I didn't see enough of him to notice how small he actually was. Mm. Yeah, well, he was he was very, very small, I'll tell you that. Um, good to see him doing well. He's still playing in Turkey. Uh, he was involved in the earthquake there. He was... Um, yes. <clears throat> he, was, uh, he was playing for a team that was very badly affected by it, but good to see he's, uh, he's still going. Um, Sandy Odalusi, do you remember him? Yes, he scored... Uh, oh, was he? Was it? Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury? Yes. Yes. I was at that game. That was uh, that was a game where I think it was just before we signed Jay Spearing, so the fans were singing, "We want Jay Spearing back." Yeah, Dougie Freeman signed uh, Sandy, um, whose name always confused people uh, when when it got read out. Um, but he actually retired recently, um, and he's now a football consultant. Stuart tells me so. Um, uh, good luck to Sandy. Um, Andy Oakes, who was a goalkeeper, do you remember him? Yeah, was he? A, he was one of Big Sam's sub goalies, wasn't he? He was one of the many, many, many sub goalkeepers to Jussi Eskalainen. Um, only played once, I understand. Uh, also went. He was at Derby. He was at Hull. He was at Walsall. Long, long times an understudy. You now here we go. This is a great one. So they, he started in 1995. He retired in 2009. So that's 14 years of professional football, which is a, a decent career. 131 games. Ooh. In 14 that's, years. Uh, that's, uh, uh, who was it with Newcastle? Steve Harper. That's a, yeah. a Steve Harper record. Yeah, I mean, the, this, 
it's a really tough life. And we're talking about Joel Coleman before. Being a, a subkeeper is such a tough life because you've just got to be yeah, ready. Yeah, picking up all that money for doing nothing. Well, you don't... I, I mean, it's probably better money than I'm on, obviously, but I don't, I'm not sure you get... I'm not sure you get massive money. I, I bet you Scott Carson's on a decent whack at City, though, to be fair. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, he might as well never retire. <laughs> the 58-year-old Scott Carson, who's 19th choice <laughs> at City. Um, right, so the, we're going to bring you to the one you're going to rate because um, this one's a cracker. Okay, so... Chinedu Abassi. Do you remember Chinedu Abassi? Oh, yeah. Never played for Bolton, but was uh, was he one of Lee Anderson's uh, signings? He was one of uh, yeah. that signings, yes. Um, yes, he was one of the, the, the very many weird and wonderful uh, signings of the era that never got to play. Um, he, he was, though, and... For all the joking around, he really genuinely was a top-level player back in the day. So when he broke through, he played against Leo Messi in the 2005 World Youth Championship. He scored in the final against Argentina. So he was rated as probably one of the best wingers to come through full stop. He was being talked about in Nigeria like JJ. Okay, he, he went on trial at Pompey, he went on trial at, trial at Wigan as well, um, but he couldn't get a work permit, so he couldn't play in England. So he ended up moving to Germany with Hoffenheim. Um, and, and he got injuries, started getting injuries. He got a big move, a big money move to Schalke for about three and a half million quid. Again, injuries did him, never really worked out for him. So he ended up having to move to Sweden. At that point, he actually got a trial with Sam Allardyce when he was manager at uh, Sunderland, again, Injuries didn't work out. So, yeah, then he t then he pitched up, you know, pretty much a spent force at Bolton, age 30. Never worked out. Never even got anywhere near the first team, although he did play a couple of reserve games for Bolton. Um, he is now retired and he's back uh, in Nigeria helping out at a soccer school. But, says Stuart, but there is some evidence so to, to suggest that he is driving a taxi cab in Ireland. I mean, I, I can't think I've heard of him. I heard his name for, for that long that he could have actually been doing anything on the yeah. planet. You could have said, oh, he's now living on Mars and I'd have gone, oh, right, is he? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So I, I'm glad he's settled. I'm glad he's, he's finally got some work. <laughs> if you... If you were, let's say, you, you take Mrs. Hewitt and, uh, and young Hewitt over to Ireland um, for, for a little break uh, and you fancied a cheeky Guinness and, and you pulled up and Chinedo Abassi was driving the taxi cab, would you know it was Chinedo Abassi? No, I'd only know if he, uh, he held a BWFC scarf above his head <laughs> and I'd be like, ah, oh, that's the picture. <laughs> yeah, in one looked, photo. It, it looked like he was being held hostage as well at the time. He, <laughs> he was so unhappy to be there. That, I mean, that would be my advice to anybody that signs to a football club. Bleed Nell, just show a bit of enthusiasm. I know it might not be like your, your defining career move or anything, but th that that picture is going to live with you for a long, long time. Show a bit of teeth, man. Jesus. Anyway, yeah. yes, uh, give us a Josh Dakers Cogley for Chinedo Abassi driving a taxi cab in Galway, Ireland, which may or may not be the case. Uh, 6.5. 6.5 it is. It's in the book. That was Who Are You? Um, if you would like to nominate some stuff for next week, um, you know the email address by now, uh, but next week's letter is P. There's loads to go at. 
do your best. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Uh, right, we have games coming up, um, and we're going to predict the outcome of said games. It's uh, prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Prediction time indeed. Uh, yes, two games. I mean, it's always two games. Uh, it never stops. It's two games a week for the rest of time. Um, Charlton Athletic at home on Saturday. Cambridge United, fingers crossed, away on Tuesday. I've got the same hotel, I've got the same train. I just hope that we get 90 minutes more football. Um, Let's start with Charlton, Henry. Now, we know it's going to be a different game than it was against Wickham, than it was against Northampton. Charlton, much more of a possession-based team. They're a bit more kind of dynamic they're a bit like Peterborough Light, basically. So, uh, and Bolton have got a decent record uh, record against Charlton, but they have got a new manager, and maybe things are starting to slightly improve there. Yeah, you'd. Well, I mean, saying it's improving now is like saying that it's it's gone from <laughs> minus six to minus five. But, Still cold, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, yeah, they got a point the other day, and uh, this is it. It's surprising because I thought they, they recruited quite well in January, and obviously they've mm. uh, um, it's not quite worked for them yet. But this is this is what I was saying to you off air that uh, you know Charlton are on paper. You look at a team that have got the form of Charlton and a fifth bottom and not winning so long. You think, yeah, definitely Bolton win. But there's something about Charlton. We have a good record against Charlton, but there's something about Charlton. And I think it's their strike force of Alfie May and Ladapo. But you think, well, it, it could be something there. They could pose a surprise. But um, hopefully they don't. Hopefully they continue their poor form and Bolton um, get back to how we know we can play. Because if, if well, Charlton could be, I don't know, Charlton on average, I think they've probably got a, a team. Or strike force definitely you, you can potentially mm. get in the playoffs should you start the season now you'd stay you you put if you're going to put them alongside the likes of oxford and blackpool and and stevenage you'd say yeah bolton should should be winning that game at home so i still think with we you know if we play like we we know we can get that early goal it, it, it could be two or three and we could be comfortable but i think the longer it goes on they'll get some confidence they've already probably got a bit of confidence after drawing against lincoln so could be a dangerous game, but you've got to fancy Bolton to win. I mean, Bolton's got to got to win this type of game without a question. I mean, Alfie May's got 16 league goals, but I'm going to put this to you, Henry. Charlton are in the bottom reaches of the division because they have Alfie May and Freddie Ladapo playing up front. I think they are top-heavy. I think they... And they used to have Blackett Taylor, for example... Um, I think they were too attack-oriented and got exposed quite easily. And Bolton were one of the one of the teams that exposed them um, at their place. I I think Charlton are quite easy to play against. 
Um, now, they may prove me wrong, and I think Nathan, uh, Nathan Jones will definitely see that, and I'm sure he'll want to change that. Um, but I think this season they've been too easy to play against uh, because they, yeah. their attacking players don't do enough when they don't have the ball. Uh, they're there for goals. Uh, they're there for you know showy tricks and, and, and creating chances. Um, but ultimately they can't defend well enough for, to, to offset that. Um, Bolton are a more rounded, complete team, and, and so are many others, obviously, because the league table doesn't lie. Um, but yeah, I, I, am, I am pretty confident, Henry. I'm going for 2-0 to Bolton. Yeah, I'm confident as well. I think um, I think it showed in the first game where we got the goals early on, and then they 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 did show stuff in the second half. But Bolton were quite comfortable, and actually it became end to end towards the end. So I think Bolton, if Santos were playing, I'd be a lot more confident. I think Santos can deal with Ladapo and and May, but we have got a good defense. Um, you know, they they should have kept a clean sheet the other night. Uh, so I think Bolton will be fine. We just get the get a few goals i think it can be yeah two nil we'll take a two nil um and then hopefully derby i don't know who they're playing but they'll be away so hopefully derby can lose or drop points and we can then go into our game in hand or one of our games in hand in second mm. uh just looking down the fixtures uh, derby have got stevenage at home that's not a gimme it's not a gimme oh, they're at home oh, okay. our old our old mate steve uh steve evans will no doubt be giving whichever referee um, is in charge of that one an absolute pasting uh, so then Tuesday night is Cambridge now we didn't really get a great idea of what Cambridge were about in the nine minutes of uh, water polo that was played at the Abbey Stadium a couple of weeks back I can tell you that uh, there is a really nice travel lodge um, in Cambridge probably I'm going to say it, the best travel lodge I've ever been in um, and, wow uh, yeah and, and, and that really is high praise um, since then uh, they lost against Cheltenham. They lost against Portsmouth. So it's been, uh, you know, a little bit of a dodgy time. They'd actually been going quite quite well. They'd beaten Shrewsbury um, four unbeaten when Bolton last came up against them. Maybe the, the shine has been taken off a bit. Maybe they're away at Carlisle on uh, Saturday, and Carlisle definitely need points. So who knows? It could it could actually have worked in their favour because by that point in time, Santos could be back um, on Tuesday. Mm. You know there there could be a Will Forrester fit again. Things might be looking a little bit rosier for for Bolton Wanderers, and and hopefully it won't be bloody raining. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, it's uh, it'd be interesting to see the team he picks. Actually, will he pick the same team he picked in the original game? Because he's not that far off it. Mm. Um, obviously, we've got Kachunga to play against, so it'd be okay. nice to see Kachunga. Yeah. Hopefully, he's. Uh, his goals to game ratio for Bolton is is uh, will be matched uh, for Cambridge, especially when we play them. But um, no, I think um, it's another. It, we should be fine. Uh, I think Bolton have done well against the the teams in that sort of area of the the table. Um, you'd think that we'd have most of the possession. We've not won at Cambridge, so uh, that'd be nice to go there and win. Um, and I think we should have enough to to beat them. Um, yeah, it'd be, obviously it'd be nice for Santos to be back. But, you know, again, it, it's a type of game for me where the defence who we've probably got on Saturday and I don't know whether you bring Taylor back in or whether he stays on the bench for the Cambridge game and Charlton game. Though That, that defence should be fine in those games against Cambridge and Charlton. Mm. You, for me, I'd bring Santos. If Santos is fully fit, I'd bring him back for the, the Blackpool, Blackpool and Wigan games. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. And I think Taylor needs. I think he needs to play. I think the the three that played against Wickham the other night did quite well. I think uh, Iadell was 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 decent defensively. Toll looks happier when he plays in the middle, although it's not going to happen all the time. Um, and Jones has, has knitted in quite nicely. Obviously, took his goal fantastically well. Um, so I, I was happy with the three the other night, but I do think Caleb Taylor has got something about him. I think he's he's going to be good enough to play in that team, but he needs to get a couple of good results, good games under his belt. It's been a little bit shaky so far, and he's only a young lad, so that's the kind of game I think he needs to shine in. Um, it, I think he will play against uh, Charlton. I think he will play against Cambridge, and uh, and hopefully we'll have a better measure of him as a result. But I'm going 2-1 at Cambridge. How about you? 1-0. 1-0 to the Wanderers, yeah. Right, yes. And uh, how many inches of rain, would you say? <laughs> um, half a, half an inch. We'll get half an inch. But I do think, I think Collins will score his first goal in one of these games. Oh, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. He, he could have a Dion Charles against Shrewsbury moment against Cambridge. You never know. Uh, you, you can dream, although the idea of a midweek game where I'm doing match day live and having to rewrite a match report in the last minute does scare me a little bit, but there we go. Um, yeah. I don't mind. For the sake of three points for Bolton, it wouldn't worry me in the slightest. Um, yes, it has been uh, another action-packed week. We've had plenty to discuss, um, but we have come to that time of the podcast where it's time to say goodbye. Um, we are going to leave you with a song, um, and it's not going to be the normal song, in fact. It's going to be a tune uh, composed by our music wordsmith, uh, Simon. And, well, I mean, how, how best to describe it? The other day, I was at Piccadilly Station uh, going to um, Northampton. I'm sure I remember where I was going to then, but it was definitely Northampton. And uh, we were just about to get on a train and then, or, or waiting for the train, me and Jack. And uh, I said, right, I'm just going to nip and grab a brew. So nipped, nipped out, went to the Costa Coffee, came back with a brew. Jack's nowhere to be seen. Like, wh what's that noise? Turn around. Jack's entertaining a load of people on a piano, the free piano. He can't play piano, by the way. But uh, the Royston Liberace was, uh, was, was tinkling, on the, tinkling on the ivories. Um, so I grabbed a, a bit of video footage of uh, of him playing. Um, and it kind of did the rounds. And, and do you know what? So many people have talked to me about that video on on the day. I, I, if there's a Wanderers fan out there that hasn't seen it, I'd be amazed. But um, Simon got hold of it and actually turned it into a real song. So, Jack, uh, this is your moment, mate. It's it's top of the pops. at uh, At the age of whatever he is, 114, could be the oldest chart topper of all time. Um, so you're going to have to give it a listen. But uh, until you do get a chance, I have been Mark Isles. And I've been Henry. I need to really sort that alarm out, Hewitt. <laughs> okay, this has been The Buff. Play it long, yellow card. Play it short, red card. Press high.
Good job, you're good at commentary, Dad.